0: scripture that we study today is Hebrews nine fifteen through 28 I'm going to read it as we begin for this reason he Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance because a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant Where will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Hence, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been told to all the people by Moses in accordance with the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the scroll itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God has ordained for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus it was necessary for the sketches of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, But the heavenly things themselves need better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself again and again, as the high priest enters the holy place year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for mortals to die once and after that the judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting him. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we celebrate your presence in our lives today. I ask that you would help me to speak your truth, that you would open all of our hearts and transform our lives. Amen. At first glance, this passage seems very detailed and complicated. It's rather long And the challenges we have here, though, may have more to do with relating to a religious culture from long ago rather than the truth of grasping what is being said. In other words, I think we got this. So this morning, I just want to highlight briefly a few ideas from the passage first and then transition to a narrative at the end. We begin with the author saying for this reason, so we need to peek back to verse 14 where we ended last week. Remember that the author has been contrasting how forgiveness had taken place in the old covenant under the law and now how forgiveness takes place under Jesus who brought a new way for restoration with God to occur. How much more, the author is saying... Will the blood of Christ be effective to offer purification for our sins? It reminds us of Paul in 2 Corinthians who said this, Jesus, who had no sin, was made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The writer from Hebrews reminds us we are raised from dead, raised from the dead, raised from dead work so that we can freely worship the living God. So that reason we just talked about, that we might be purified by the blood of Jesus so that we can be made new to glorify God, is why Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. In the writings of the Hellenistic period, the word mediate had legal connotations. A mediator could be an arbiter of a political dispute or a peacemaker in a business conflict. This is the same today. Mediation sometimes is much needed in our lives all over the place as a good way forward for people who are entrenched, countries and families, and they can't be moved. In the Bible, though, mediator also means the guarantor of an oath. This is how the word is used six times in the New Testament, including here, meaning that Christ as the mediator stands between all of humanity and God, to bring them together in an agreement. In this case, the covenant that we have been talking about for the last few weeks. Jesus brings us together in what we have agreed upon together so that we can move forward. Paul reminds us, Scripture works together, people. Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy, for there is one God... And one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has been witnessed to at the proper time. Paul says that the people have been ransomed. The scripture here has a similar idea when it says we have been redeemed. Christ's death pays the price of the debt that we owe all of us owe a debt. Christ pays that freeing us from the power of sin that always threatens to destroy us. I think we always have to remember that, that sin always threatens to destroy us. Even if we look at it and we think, yeah, that's not a big deal. I got that. Mm -mm. Yeah, I got it. I'm handling it. Thank you. No, sin always threatens to destroy us. We talked last week about how Jesus makes a new way, opening up the possibility of true forgiveness. But this is more than a transaction with God. Remember that this is about love, that God always makes a way through because he wants to be with us. And he wants us to be free and alive in him. Now, this gets us to the main point of the scripture today, which we find in verse 22. And it's basically this. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is how God sets it up in the old covenant and the new. And the writer talks about how Moses, the one who inaugurated the first covenant, sealed the agreement with blood. The people agreed to the terms that God was setting out. And in order to demonstrate their new agreement, Moses (laughs) sprinkles blood on everything, including the people. Can we just, like, talk about that for a second? We're all together. Here we are. And Moses is like, all right, let's go. And we all get blood on us. Because that's how serious God takes forgiveness. We talked last week about how forgiveness is the serious business of heaven. Something has to die in order for us to live. They needed to know what this signified, that every time they sought forgiveness, in order to be purified, it would come at the cost of an innocent creature. If they truly wanted to be cleansed, it would have to be mediated. There's the legal term. It would have to be mediated with the blood. Now, I want to stop here for a second. Because this is an ethos we have to own as people who follow Christ. It isn't just Jesus loves me and I'm going to believe in him. It's that we have to go through the blood of Christ. We're far removed from the days of the Jewish tabernacle and the temple where an animal had to give its life for the sins of the people. The intended audience of this book would have gotten it. They would have been comfortable. They wanted to go back to that system It was part of their society and their culture, their way of thinking. When I was growing up as a teen in the church, we used to sing a lot of hymns about being washed in the blood of the lamb. Can I get an amen? Amen. And I recall a pastor saying, every time God the Father looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of Jesus and that's how he can accept you. And later on in my life, as I uh, came to this church and was so ensconced in love, I kind of I kind of lost that a little bit. I kind of lost that that truth, and kind of focused on how the Savior's love made it possible for us to be reconciled to God. That's true, but as the writer of Hebrews makes so clear, we can't be forgiven. Until blood is spilled on our behalf and we accept that. It was necessary for Jesus to die. Then if it's necessary, then that means we have to keep that uppermost in our lives. There are probably lots of reasons why we would prefer not to talk about this. Blood kind of grosses us out. We have a few friends that are like, don't even talk, don't even say that word. I just can't. There are lots of reasons why we might not talk about the blood and use the word sacrifice or love instead. Another reason is because we are so far removed from the time when this was necessary. But think about how every time the people sinned, they had to go and get an animal and go and have it have it sacrificed for them, for their cleansing It's amazing that Jesus' blood covers us permanently, but that also sometimes means that we don't have to think about it. We lose perspective on how this is core to our belief system. The blood is a vivid reminder of the gruesome cost of our wrongdoing and the depth of our brokenness. So it's easier and better for our psyches to focus on the love instead of the blood because it means we don't have to maybe think about those aspects of our character or behavior that are embarrassing or hard to accept. We can stay distanced from it. The truth is, it was love that compelled Jesus to go to the cross. Without love, he wouldn't have gone to such great lengths. But the blood is required. So really, the blood is the manifestation of the love. What does John say? Jesus say in John 15? Greater love has... None than this, to lay down one's lives for one's friends. The act of sacrifice is the way God so loved the world. Here we see a duality of holiness and love, and we have to keep both at the center of our faith. The later part of this passage, verses 23 through 28, repeat some of the themes we have been discussing before. Christ ministers in the heavenly sanctuary, in the presence of God on our behalf. His sacrifice was once, not again and again, and we continue to look forward to the day when Christ comes back a second time, not to deal with sin, but to eagerly bring those of us who have been waiting for him home. This week I've been reflecting a lot, of course, on our brother Hal Conklin, who is now with Jesus. He was so intentional about relationship, about connecting with others. One of the news articles said how he was gracious, to rich and poor. It didn't matter who you were, how, wanted to talk about you and know what made you tick and where you've been and where you're going. What he really loved though was a terrific story. And he would use those stories in his speaking and in his life to make a meaningful connection or get to the heart of the matter. Sometimes you didn't quite know where he was going, and then he would kind of bring it back around. In his honor, I'm going to tell a story today that he would have found fascinating to end our passage. This is about another good friend we have, Carrie Favoda, with whom Mark and I went to college, although she would tell you how much younger she is than we are. She read this passage this weekend, and reminded me about something that happened at her birth that might help us see this scripture in a new way. She is the third child of four in her family. Her mom, Deanna, has Rh-negative blood. An Rh factor is just an inherited protein that's found on the surface of all red blood cells. If your blood has the protein, like most people do, you are Rh-positive. If you don't, like Carrie's mom, you are Rh-negative. Now this is not an illness, it doesn't have ramifications for your health, but it can affect your baby, which is what occurred when Carrie was born. What happened basically is that her mom's blood made antibodies which were attacking Carrie's blood right after her birth. Literally, her blood was killing her. It was a serious condition and Carrie would have died if the doctors not had acted quickly. Her blood had to completely be flushed out of her body three times and replaced with clean blood. Think about this right after this sweet little baby is born. It's one of the reasons why Carrie regularly donates blood blood, so that those who need it like she did can have it. There's something here in this passage about how we inherit a sin nature from our broken humanity and how that sin is killing us. What Christ did was to make it possible to replace the nature we are born into with himself. Jesus shed his own blood to bring the new covenant so that we might have a different kind of inheritance. This whole passage is about inheritance, that in his death alone we find life. There's one way for us to live. The writer of Hebrews wants us to remember this, and it is through his blood. It doesn't happen another way. The first covenant required sacrifice. So does the second one Jesus brings. And every time we sin and every time we forgive another person who sins against us, that ramification has a price that Jesus paid. So we give our Savior huge praise and great humility as we kneel down before him for the oneness that we're able to have with one another and with God the Father. Jesus frees us and then mediates in heaven all of the time, constantly interceding. It is his blood that makes us clean. On this Pentecost Sunday, we are grateful also for the Holy Spirit that makes all of this possible. We are born as babies and then again through Jesus' blood and baptism. Because the Spirit comes, our souls are filled with the breath of God. When we are born of Christ, our blood is washed clean, and we take our first breath of the Spirit who comes to indwell our hearts and minds. We began with verse 14. I know it's not in your bulletin, my apologies, but I want to end with it today. For if the blood of goats and bulls with the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer sanctifies those who have been defiled so that their flesh is purified, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal Holy Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God. Here we have a Trinitarian moment when all three members of the Godhead are present. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to become our living sacrifice. That satisfied the covenant between us and God. And we remember on this special day that we have a God who is actively working so that we can be clean and whole. So I want you just to take a moment with the Holy Spirit this morning. The Lord is here. What is the Lord saying to you through this passage? To you personally, to you as a person in the church. The forgiveness that we long for is costly. We enter the heavenly realms through the blood of Christ. The blood makes us new. So what is the Lord saying to you today about what this means? Let us pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.